If you love drafting your fantasy team, imagine drafting a real professional team. The fan-controlled football league is bringing fantasy sports and Madden franchise mode to a real football field. Fans will scout players, draft rosters, hire coaches, call plays, and more. So let me let me break this down for you. This is how it's kind of work, okay? The FCFL is going to feature eight professional teams. They're going to play seven-on-seven, fast-paced indoor football in a high-tech production studio that's actually built for a digital audience, right? This is the next generation of fantasy football where fans actually get rewarded for dominating through the league's proprietary fan token, right? If you want to learn more about the fan token, check out FCFL. Go to fcfl.io. Yeah. Eat, sleep, fantasy. You rocking with the best. NFL fantasy football podcast. We talking mock drafts, running backs. Better follow the conversation with Dale, Christian, and Armando. Screaming, eat nation. We doing what we like. Tune in every week. Guarantee we get it hype. Fantasy football enthusiasts. I know you plan to be joining us on Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. Yeah. Eat, sleep, fantasy. Eat, sleep, fantasy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Eat Sleep Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Dale. I am going to be your host slash moderator. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's other names for it. Today, we are doing a weekend, weekend review. Uh, you guys may have seen the 001, 002, 003 episodes that we've been doing uh, with Austin, Stephen, and John. Uh, so this is another variation of that. Today we are going to be talking everything Dynasty, from starting a Dynasty League to uh, whatever, to having a second season Dynasty, to knowing how to draft rookies or just pick up free agents. So we're going to talk about all that today. With me is John Chapman. What's up, John? Not much, man. Just glad to be here. Yep. And Steven is with us. Steven Spacarotelli. What's going on, Dale? How you doing? Good, good. Uh, this is, um, I haven't moderated, I haven't hosted with just you two. Brito is going to be um, not here today, so it's just me, Steven, and John. Uh, Austin is our executive producer. He is not on air. I just wanted to clarify who's who and where's where everybody is at. All right, before we really get started with all the Dynasty stuff, I want to take a second to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that's Serial. We talked about this a little bit. For those that don't know, we have a chat room with all the writers uh, and the topic of serial came up and I just wanted to why I have while I have both of you guys here I think it's important to talk about uh, because I don't think Brito will want to talk about cereal very important meal very important part of the day not only is it breakfast it can easily turn into lunch or dinner you guys agree absolutely I agree I, it happens probably more nights than yeah, not yeah uh, especially for uh, bachelors if I'm telling you, if I was single, like if, if I didn't have my wife, I would probably eat cinnamon toast crunch like three nights a week. I'm not not joking. But I am married. That's a good cereal. I am married and my wife uh does not allow me to eat cereal every night. She says it's unhealthy, especially the kind that I like. I want to give you guys my top five cereals. Um what does I don't... she know. You guys have a daughter for her to worry about keeping I healthy. Know. Man, I'm telling <laughs> you. Well, my wife is um I'm overweight. My wife is seriously uh, scared that I'm gonna uh, gonna die on her. So every chance she gets, she takes food out of my mouth and tries to feed me spinach and stuff. 
I just blame it on beer. That's what yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have my top five cereal here. I think you guys are going to agree with me because they're probably top five of all time in any order. But if your top five does not include Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Frosted Mini Wheats. Solid. Captain Crunch, Lucky Charms, or Fruit Loops. Um, your top five, I don't care what you're, I don't care what order they're in. My favorite is Cinnamon Toast Crunch, obviously, but all these, the Frosted Mini Wheats is perfect. I can get away with eating Frosted Mini Wheats because they're wheat and they seem like they're a little bit healthier, but they're coated with frosty goodness. Do you guys have all those five in your top five? I have adaptations of them. First off, why the hell do we live in a country where we do not have completely frosted mini wheats? Why is it only halfway? This bothers me so much. Yeah, it's all I've ever wanted since I was a kid. Can we not frost the entire? It's perception, John. This, this is this is America. We're not supposed to half-ass things around here, right? <laughs> Give me a fully frosted yes. piece of freaking mini wheat, right? Actually, you know, when you, when you first said that a second ago, I was thinking this guy's crazy, but I'm thinking about it. And I'm thinking no, hard. This is valid, Dale. This, this is a valid statement. This is something uh, that we need to talk to uh, Kellogg's or Post about, whoever makes Frosted Mini Wheats. This is interesting. And actually, their competitors, whoever their competitor is, they should just make a Frosted Whole Mini Wheat with the whole thing. Fro- That's brilliant. You know what? We'll make, we'll make cha- Chappy Wheats. I'd be so happy. Chappy Wheats. They're fully frosted. Dude, don't tip me. <laughs> I'm just saying. Don't do John, that. John, do not start a cereal company, please. It's, it's going to be a money pit. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'll buy it. It would be. Bad. I'll buy it. I'll invest in it. No, they see you. Could, you take it to Shark Tank. They're going to turn you down before you even walk through the door. <laughs> see, they don't. And they won't. The, know what the next one about. in your list I love is Captain Crunch. It's so good that it destroys. The oh, it does. And you're like, it's okay. It's still. Really, I agree. Really good. Well, the thing is, no, it doesn't destroy the roof of your mouth if you have like a serving. But the problem is, most of us eat like a giant salad bowl no. of Captain Crunch. By the end, your mouth is all torn to bits because it's so sharp and spiky. See, my problem with that, cereal. If you get more than two bowls, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, my problem with cereal is that I take a bowl, I'll fill it up, you, you put the milk in there, I'll go through that, and then I'll pour another bowl to soak up the rest of the milk that's in there. Um, yeah, that's poor. That's well, awesome. that's poor planning. Uh, you need to learn how. Oh, no, that's excellent planning. You purposely <laughs> pour the extra milk, so you okay, have okay, you're purposely okay. to go back for more cereal. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right. See, it, you. I usually have a little bit left over, but just enough to wash down my cereal. You know, just enough milk to wash down the cereal. Anyways, Fruit Loops is definitely uh, something that should be in everybody's top five. And if you don't follow the podcast on Twitter, uh, about six months ago, I found out. Crazy enough, Fruit Loops is F R O O T. Did you guys know that? I did not. I'm seeing the box now, and it makes sense. And also, there's zero fruit involved. Exactly. So it doesn't taste like fruit at all, and it's not even the colors of fruit. And I know that because I am allergic to fruit, and I can't <laughs> eat it. However, Fruit Loops, I can eat there a whole go. box. There you go. That is just pure trickery, right there. And Lucky Charms, look, I. I don't love Lucky Charms, but they have to be in everybody's top five because, again, they're kind of a yeah. good mixture of little bits of goodness plus a little bit of sweet. Nobody could say that Lucky Charms isn't in your top five. Yeah, it's it pretty solid. It's it pretty solid. Steven. You brought up Kellogg's yeah. earlier. Now, are you familiar with why cornflakes got started or how they got started? Uh, I'm guessing it was probably by accident somehow. Somebody left something on the kitchen floor. It, yeah, it's terrible food. Never eat it. No. John Harvey Kellogg, this is crazy story, was a physician. 
He was a physician that thought sex was evil, and he never consummated his marriage. He never even had sex with his own okay. wife, theoretically. And he thought that a healthy diet with no sugar would make teenage boys stop masturbating. I kid you not. And he created cornflakes. I don't know, John. Is this like... And he prescribed it to all of his, his patients and told them to give it to their boys so that they would stop touching themselves. And that was probably not successful by any means necessary. <laughs> but, you know, okay, if it was... Okay, this is brilliant marketing here. I feel like any doctor can find anything that is supposed to be bad for you, make a food, and then just say, hey, this, this will cure it. The, the kids are going to be like, yeah, it works. <laughs> like you know, get, get I, I feel like I, I feel like John's story right there just ended the life of cornflakes. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty amazing, John. Um, good story. I don't know how you know that. Is it true? Uh, Is history, it true? history teacher. John clearly must have had some masturbation problems and look for ways to remedy that. <laughs> you said past tense, but that's okay. I would say look it up and challenge me. I I will stand on my research. Through cereal <laughs> and sexual activity, uh, yeah, no. Uh, look, uh, cornflakes. I typed in cornflakes masturbate, and uh, yeah, there's clear your history. Yeah, afterwards. I know my wife's gonna be like, "What the hell?" Your wife's gonna send you to therapy. <laughs> cornflakes were developed to stop or masturbation. She might get intrigued. One or the other, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll see if you she starts buying cornflakes. Box of cornflakes <laughs> next to your bed. Now, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I I enjoy good um, a good serial story. So that was good, John. Um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is my number one. Is it is it not even close for you guys? Is it even close? I would say my number one is Fruity Pebbles, man. Fruity Pebbles is a good cereal. Man, that's way. I, I have feeling. I think me and you differ a lot in cereals. I'm getting this feeling, Stephen, because Fruity Pebbles is like too much. I feel like a kid when I'm eating it, you know? You don't want that. But that's the beauty of it, man. I mean, you know, I feel like an old guy when I eat Rice, Rice Krispies or uh, I'm after John's story, I don't know how I feel about cornflakes anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, I enjoy cereals like Fruity Pebbles and Captain Crunch and Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Lucky Charms, you know, stuff that's got flavor and marshmallows and things like that, you know, so... But see, that's, the thing with Fruity Pebbles is it looks and resembles fish food. It does, actually. It looks just like John, fish food. John, you are and ever out since to I was a kid, it was my just... life with cereal tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. It's just, it's weird. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I didn't ever thought about that, but it looks a lot like fish food. That is crazy. It's the same company. That's all I'm saying. $100, if I go on YouTube, I bet you I can find somebody eating Fruity Pebbles like a fish. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I kind of want to watch it. I'm not taking that back because you can find anything on the fucking internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can kind of jump right into it, guys, because there's a lot of Dynasty talk, and I'm really interested because, quite frankly, Eat Sleep Fantasy doesn't talk enough Dynasty football. We do a lot of redraft. Uh, Brito, myself, and Armando, I want to call us Dynasty gurus. We know enough to get by, and we could definitely talk about it, but I put uh, John and Steven on our team just for the sole purpose, pretty much, of Talking Dynasty, because they really, really know their shit. But the first thing is, why would somebody want to play Dynasty? I mean, redraft is fun. You can you know, start over every year. What's, what's so fun about Dynasty, and why do you like, you know, why, why, do you, why do you gravitate towards it? You know, Dynasty really intrigues me, and this may sound silly, but, I mean, I go back to what I used to spend 
countless hours uh, playing Madden and franchise formats. But, you know, the Dynasty, it, it's just you're really you're managing a team, you know, and it is a commitment. And I don't want anybody to think that it's not because the, the season never ends. So, you know, you start out, you're drafted a team, you know, you, you have a plan of attack going in and when the season's over, you know, just like any other team in the NFL, you go into an off season. So there's, there's a commitment to it and it, it's fun. It's a blast. I absolutely love it. I mean, I, what do you feel about it, John? Man, I, I love that you talked about Madden. I remember when franchise mode came out and I would simulate the entire season <laughs> right. just so I could get to off season and scout and trade and set up the salary cap and all that stuff. This is for the geese. Yeah, yeah, it and is. So if you're a fantasy football player, which we all are, that's why we're here, the season never ends. It's fantasy football on steroids, and it is year-round. Um, it never stops. And th- I think this is what sets Dynasty apart from everything else. It's more than a one-year commitment. And it's not necessarily more work or more time. So if you're real busy with work and you're like, oh, I'm not ready to commit to that. It's actually less work after the first year. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. I'm- uh, what, what I meant to ask is after the first year, so the first year is just really hectic because of the draft or just because you're setting – when you guys are starting out, let's just go right into this, just starting up, right? If this is your first time doing a dynasty and you're in a first-year league, when you're when you're drafting, are you drafting solely based off of the future or are you – I know there's probably a – a good balance between drafting for the future and win now, but I have a hard time drafting not to win this season. So how do you guys attack that? I'll, I'll start with John. How, how do you attack going into the first year? So the thing is this, what is your goal? And first off, my goal is always win now. I'm super competitive. I'm not okay doing a rebuild. So the first year startup, the startup fantasy draft is just like a redraft, except it's about seven rounds longer. So you carry a much bigger roster in Dynasty, typically. Um, so instead of having 15 to 16, you're looking 22 to 24 roster spots. So the first year that you do a Dynasty startup, the draft takes a little bit longer, just a couple rounds longer. Now the value, obviously, is going to shift a little bit to younger players because it's more than just one year. So if you drafted... Kareem Hunt, for example, last year in a redraft, great, you got your one year, he's not on your team anymore. However, if you drafted him in a dynasty, you have him or you have the option to have him for his entire career. Literally 10 to 12 years, you can keep the same player and he only leaves your team when you choose to release him. So when you guys, totally hypothetical here, you're starting off a brand new dynasty league this year, okay, start it up, this is the first year doing it. You have the top, say, four picks. Are any of those top four picks Saquon Barkley? No. Okay. Steven, you agree? Not for me. No, I, I agree. Well, there's there's other players out there. I mean, Saquon's going to be good, but you know, if you're in the top four, he's definitely, in my opinion, not going to be there. Okay. So right. I have Saquon as my number seven pick overall. If I was doing a startup right now, but again, it's before the draft, so that makes it weird. If he goes to the Browns, he's not. I'm going to drop him in value, just because I think he's going to be a stud. That's great. But if he goes to the Giants, I'm going to push him up in value because he's going to be getting all the carries there. It's a healthy system, so on and so forth. All right. So if if I'm going to start up a dynasty league and I never have before, how much? attention do i need to be paying paying attention right now how much do i need to really be focusing in on football today you really need you really need to be looking at it from from minute one like after the super bowl and and, you know there's there's some things that are gonna 
you know, transpire that's not, you know, too worthy of information um, up until you start getting towards free agency. But then you have years like this year to where you get all those trades that happen, right? So a lot of things moved around. The scope of everything changed. You know, when you're if you're doing a startup league, I, the one thing that I really look at is players that um, I know that are going to have longer careers. Uh, those are players that I'm going to attack a little bit later in the draft. So, you know, my first probably three, four, five rounds, I'm going to be looking at, uh, you know, running back heavy, maybe, you know, some tier one, tier two, maybe even uh, younger wide receivers. But, you know, quarterbacks and wide receivers tend to have uh, longer careers. And, and those are players that you can get some quality talent, um, you know, towards like the the middle to late rounds of your draft and really build some good depth and some good quality players uh, in positions where you don't have a lot of longevity, like at the running back position. Okay. Yeah, and you're focusing mostly on the draft right now because as we spoke earlier, your very first year in Dynasty, you do a startup draft, which is just like redraft, where all rookies, all free agents, every single player in the NFL is available to pick. However, what separates Dynasty is the following years you are only doing a rookie and a free agent draft so you are picking from the players that are not on anybody's roster typically each team in your fantasy football league keeps 12 to 15 players and everybody else is dumped back into the pool so it's they usually call it rookie only drafts but that's not necessarily true because people like alan hearns who probably got dropped um frank gore who probably got dragged they're going to be mixed into that so if you are in a dynasty league right now you're paying attention to the draft and possible landing spots if this guy lands here oh man that's amazing if he goes there well it's a big running back by committee so we got to take them down just a little bit sure yeah okay. no, i agree 100 percent on that one and you know another thing too you know i don't know how many people really get into it when it comes to dynasty leagues but you know idp is a big factor as well you know you, you get some some stud players that come out i mean look at bradley chubb this year right so you know what does idp mean so just because that's the thing i've got buddies that play fantasy every year and they don't know what idp it's means. just individual defensive players so they they take position uh, over your DST, right? So you could have, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, however many, you know, uh, IDP players along with whoever you're starting. And then you have your kicker as well. So instead of DST, you just have individual defensive players and, you know, their scoring formats, you know, everything solely depends on the format as it would uh, as far as quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. So when you, when your defensive players are formatted a certain way, you know, with who you have coming into drafts or even when you're doing a startup, you know, there are some big name defensive players uh, that could really change the, the scope of the draft itself. Okay. When you guys, uh, last question I, I have about the startup leagues, how much are the trades involved here? I know, and especially in Dynasty, trading draft picks are huge, uh, big part of the game. And actually probably the part of the game I like most about the Dynasty is trading draft picks. How do you value draft picks and are you at all getting uh, i'm going to say you know getting cute uh for the startup dynasty league do you even start do you even consider trade trading draft picks this early oh 100 yeah you it, the, and that's the thing 
what's awesome about Dyn- uh, just any fantasy football league is when you can brag, man, do you remember that one time I traded so-and-so for so-and-so, right. and then I won my league championship? Yep. Or you made the trade right before somebody got suspended or injured, and you're just like, ah, gotcha. And then you can brag with your friends. That's what this is about. And so there is trading going year-round in Dynasty football. Now, the very first year is very important. (laughs) And it's very important because, again, in the first round, you have guys like Odell Beckham, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, so on and so forth. So your startup draft picks are way more valuable than they are in the future drafts with your rookie-only draft. So the first year startup, obviously, year two and beyond, is all about rookie and the free agents that have been released. So... Definitely trade around, and that's the fun thing about it is you see trades going on in the NFL like with the Colts and um, the Jets just did. You can do exactly that. I'll trade my second and third round pick for your first round pick, and you get to manipulate and organize your roster the way you want it. Do you want it to be top heavy with stars? Are you looking for more depth to spread out risk? All of those things are options. Yeah, that's that's very well said, John. It is, it is. Uh, For anybody that doesn't know, uh, when you're trading picks, especially, and, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the biggest sucker draft pick trade, if if you were looking for a sucker in your league, is to give your two and three for their one and four. Do you guys agree? I think uh, just to start off, um, I think that's – what would you guys think? I might be an idiot here. I, I wouldn't do that. and I mean, especially in startup, you know, like, like John said, in that first year – you know, your draft picks, they're huge. Now, the only way I would even in a startup think about trading any draft picks whatsoever is if I'm in a snake format um, and I'm sitting in the back end of it, we'll say in the last three picks there, okay, and somebody wants to to move up and take my first round pick and then I'm going to drop back and have, you know, two second round picks that are going to be really close together, I'm okay with something like that. But other than that, I wouldn't go trading anything like that, and and definitely, I mean, unless you know, late in the later years, and, and you know, at the end of every year, you're assessing your team. So, if you were in the playoffs or you won the championship, and your team's set, and, and somebody wants to make a, a, a move similar to what you're talking about there, Dale, that solely relies on the talent pool that's coming in. You know, you obviously assess that, and you know, if it's something that you feel like isn't going to hurt the integrity of your team and the depth that you have, and you still feel like you can get some value out of that. Well, then, you know, more power to you if you want to. Sure. Okay, John, are are you uh are you trading me your one and four for my two and three? Okay, so let's let's I, I, as you guys were talking, I'm looking up dynasty ADP and trying to come up with a way that this works. So for example, let's say if my first and fourth, if I'm picking in the middle rounds, that's gonna equate to David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell. Okay, I'm sorry, David Johnson and LaShawn McCoy. So you have a very young, talented running back, and then you got a guy that's getting kind of older, which in redraft leagues, LaShawn McCoy is going to be huge. Probably second round to third round. However, what does that look like for your second and third round pick? And I'll let you guys kind of talk this over. You would basically be getting um, Jarvis Landry and Sammy Watkins. Okay. So in your opinion, Dale, Which one of those do you want for a longer time? Jarvis Landry and Sammy Watkins, very young, lots of receptions, or these two kind of polarizing, dominant running backs? Because those are the ones that are going in that trade. Got you. I got you. Okay. All right. Um, Good good point. And I guess in a dynasty, you're looking – to me, win now is grabbing 
David Johnson. But uh, I agree completely. But you know, in, in a dynasty, Landry, especially in PPR format, Sammy Watkins isn't very old at all. Uh, so yeah, there. I guess there's there's a give and take for each. I get you. See, what, for, I get what you're saying. See, and for that's me, the though, thing. Like I'm going to maximize my risk because I want the reward. Um, you're not going to be winning a lot of leagues with Sammy Watkins and Jarvis Landry as your wide receiver one and two, but you will win a lot of leagues with people like David Johnson. Um, so, but again, you look at what happened last year, running backs, they get injured much more. David Johnson played one <laughs> quarter, one half right. and was gone. Right. So yeah. that's it. Yeah, no, for me in this position, I'm definitely taking DJ and McCoy mainly because, you know, obviously, you know, their talents are, but this touches on what I was getting at with, uh, you know, drafting with a startup league, you know, wide receivers are kind of a dime a dozen, right? You're, the longevity of a running back, as we all know, is not very long. So I'm going to get everything I can out of David Johnson and LeSean McCoy. And during that time, I'm going to find two, three, four, five wide receivers. Hell, I might find enough wide receivers to where, you know, one is a diamond in the rough or I get one in a draft that booms. And then I'm looking at the very end of LeSean McCoy's career and say, hey, here's a guy over here that has, you know, xyz running back that's a stud now but he's dying for a wide receiver that i could do a one-on-one for or you know throw you know early mid-round draft pick in with it just to solidify the deal so you know stuff like that you're definitely in my opinion uh, looking at the running back situation okay uh let's just really quick i have one more question about the startup dynasty then we're going to get into some rookie drafting so for dynamic start for uh, dynasty startups, if you're looking at if it's your pick and say I don't know you're like the back of the first round, may uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe around the back of the first round, are you looking at somebody like Alvin Kamara who is very young, a promising future, or you know a lot think you know a lot of people think that, or somebody maybe like Le'Veon Bell who is you know aging, he's he is a little bit older, although he's awesome and proven fantasy value year in and year out. Where where are they in your rankings, and are you even thinking about how you want to run your team in the next three or four years when you're drafting somebody like Kamara versus Bell? Oh, if you're in the back end, uh, I would be surprised even now that Le'Veon Bell would even be there. Um, okay. I, I, I still think Le'Veon would probably go like top seven, top seven or eight, right? And, yeah, and, for sure, he would be. You know, I I mean. Alvin Kamara, he's he's a nice young talent, but the thing that concerns me about him right now is he's stuck. He's stuck in the backfield behind Ingram, and then who knows how the dynamic's going to change uh, over the next couple of years with Drew Brees. So I still need to see more out of a player like Kamara, and I absolutely love him, um, for me to think about taking him over a player like Le'Veon Bell on the startup. And, and that's a man, great point. Uh, this is the difference between dynasty and redraft. Drew Brees signs his extension. Everybody takes a deep breath in redraft, and you say, okay, all of the Saints are now safe. That's not true in Dynasty because you're playing more than just this year. What if he doesn't come back next year? Is Alvin Kamara still going to just see six men in the box? Whenever I, who knows who the quarterback for the Saints is going to be in the future? And so it, it, it complicates it. Okay. So I would definitely go Le'Veon Bell here as well, and not even yeah. Close. Le'Veon Bell may be a bad example because I know he was going to go a little bit, but I think you guys get my point with the younger versus right. a little bit older. You know, maybe more talented. I do a three-year window on all projections and try my hardest not to extend that. So somebody like Le'Veon Bell, he's twenty-six years old. I have no problem keeping him until 
I think he's going to perform till 29. Now, obviously, off the field issues complicates that. What if Big Ben retires? This complicates everything. But Le'Veon Bell is he's a premium top two of the position, so that that's where it kind of changes. But yeah, three year window is what I'm looking. I'll for. give you I'll give you guys a good example of a trade that I pulled off uh, two years ago. Now, while well, going into the season two years ago, so it was a season that. Uh, uh, Keenan Allen went down with the, whatever it was that he lacerated there, right? And uh, I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, I'm assessing my team. You know, I had uh, Jarvis Landry, I had Devontae Adams. Uh, I had some expectations for Crowder that year, which panned out, right? So I'm looking at, I have uh, Todd Gurley, I have David Johnson, and I'm just like, you know, I could really, really sit here and shoot for the moon and solidify my running back situation for the next five seasons, right? So I decided that I was going to put Keenan Allen, who was on the IR at the time, and Allen Robinson on the block. And the guy that had Le'Veon Bell was hurting for wide receivers. So I ended up trading Keenan Allen, uh, Allen Robinson, I don't even remember what round pick it was, for Le'Veon Bell and Jeremy Macklin. I could care less about Jeremy Macklin. I just wanted sure. Le'Veon Bell. That was my target, right? So, you know, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Todd Gurley. I mean, I don't need wide receivers. And then even uh, last year, well, two years ago now, but I drafted Carson Wentz. Right. Nice. All right. So uh, we, I guess we all agree. That do you? What do you think about that three-year window that John mentioned, Stephen? Is that a pretty good rule of thumb? Should we... Is is that if I'm if I'm writing a book on dynasty, um, dynasty drafting, is a three year rules kind of rule of thumb, or do you agree or disagree? No, it's it's a legit stand. Uh, you know, okay. it's 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 an excellent way of looking at it. All right, all right. So when I guess well, let's get right into uh, rookie drafting then. When you're after you've played year one or year two, you're looking into all the rookies you've looked at the combine, you're looking at numbers, you're looking at how many years are left on certain contracts that may be free agents and all that stuff. Where Where's your head at going into a rookie draft? So, so first and foremost is opportunity and upside because you're talking, <laughs> you let's say the third round pick right now, you're talking guys like Hayden Hurst, Royce Freeman, Marcel Aitman, like these are guys that the common football fan maybe doesn't know about, but you're looking for opportunities. And so obviously the number one overall pick in this year's draft is Saquon Barkley. It doesn't matter where he goes. He's going number one in PPR, half point, super flex, whatever your format is, that guy is number one. But outside of that, you're looking at situation and where guys go. Kareem Hunt, the darling from last year, he was going around pick eight uh, to nine an ADP draft because he didn't fall into a good situation with Spencer Ware ahead of him. Spencer Ware gets hurt right before the season, and then obviously look what's happened. Uh, Alvin Kamara was picked 10-11, same thing. All right, so Steven, you were on the same page with, uh, with John here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean – when it comes to drafting rookies, uh, you know, again, after every season, you're you're assessing the value of your team. You're assessing where you stand, um, and go, you know, going to John's point, you know, everything is situational. Where every single player lands, you know, it, it all depends on how they fit. You know, 
what coaching staff there is, uh, the quarterback they're behind, things of that sort. So there, there's a lot of things to look at and pay attention to. Um, so when it comes to assessing all of that, that that's really how you kind of line up, you know, your own personal draft board, you know, like they would going into a draft in the NFL, right? So, sure. you know, if you want to make moves via trade, uh, you want to trade players to move up, you want to, you know, do anything of that nature, you know, you, you just really need to look at uh, the overall value of each player and where they are, their ADP is, and, and things of that sort, and then you attack it from there in your draft. Okay. Yeah, and I'll say this. I'll add this in because in Dynasty Leagues, typically you can trade a year in advance. Mm-hmm. So just yesterday I made a trade. My team is at the top-level team. I mean, it's it's ready to win championships. I just had a hole at tight end. That's about it. And so anybody that I draft, I'm picking the 10 spot, so I'm not going to get a stud. So I traded my second and third round pick this year and third round pick for 2019 for Travis Kelsey. Nice. That's And that's so solid. I filled the last hole in my roster for a team that had Kelsey and not a lot else. They're looking for depth. So it, it, it worked to kind of balance the situation, but I feel like I robbed <laughs> a stud tight end for the next three years yeah i you know i had a, a trade uh last year too um a, a tight end was a big need for myself and you know with having carson wentz uh you know i, I still had philip rivers you know rivers i went you know drafted him starting up that league i've always had some pretty good success with uh a good old phil over there and a guy that had zach Ertz uh was hurting at the quarterback position and you know, I just I, I took a shot at it, and it, it's I do not like trading quarterbacks for uh, positional players like that by any means. But you know, I knew that was going to be my best shot, and I, you know, I felt very confident about the type of player that Hurts is going to be. And then, you know, something that can work with you and work against you. But I have him stacked up with Wentz too, right? So, um, you know, <laughs> I, I made that offer, and he didn't even hesitate on it. And then I was able to acquire Hurts. So, you know, it's. It just depends what you what you have and what you're willing to give up and what you're willing to roll the dice on sometimes uh, to make moves happen. Right. Okay. So, in your guys' opinion, if if you have the first pick overall and your team pretty much sucks, I'll, I'll just tell you my story really quick. Uh, <laughs> my team sucks. <laughs> I inherited a team last year, and I think I had like I don't know the third or fourth pick last year. I ended up with Christian McCaffrey, which I was pretty excited about. So my my, Solid, my team's yeah. starting off okay, you know. I I inherited a serious uh, a garbage can. Uh, I think my best wide receivers are like Corey Davis and Juju Smith-Schuster or something like that, something crazy. Anyways, I have it's the— actually not bad. I, ha- I have the number one overall pick this year. Uh, where do you guys see—it's going to be Barkley, right? For most most redrafts, it's going to be Barkley—I'm sorry, most dynasty— um, leagues this year is probably going to be Barkley at number one so how much can a guy like Barkley change your team or should I change or should I kind of change it out for some depth um, like what John was saying earlier what where, where how do you guys attack it like if you were in my situation what would you do to attack my problem so I am holding that pick for ransom and I think that there's going to be somebody that will overpay like crazy um, so you're looking for somebody that is absolutely in love with this guy because everybody loves Saquon Barkley and he's the fun new toy, all that stuff, great. So I am basically letting everybody know that Saquon Barkley is for sale. Uh, make me an offer, we'll see what happens. You're talking you can get multiple first-round picks and a stud starter that maybe somebody's not on. So 
in one of my dynasty leagues, we had a guy that had the number one pick. He traded it straight up for Alvin Kamara. I yeah, I felt like he could have done better. Right. I, I really think that you could take advantage of people with that pick. But again, if you don't get an amazing offer, let's say you're in a league where people aren't crazy trade heavy, then you just hold on to the pick and you're just fine. You have an awesome starter that you're going to have for at least seven years and you have a piece to build around. But if somebody wants to go crazy and let's say Saquon Barkley gets drafted to the Colts and you have a huge Colts fan in your league, take advantage. Yeah, you know what, especially too with uh, the type of running back class that you have here and definitely, you know, to use John's words, hold it for ransom because I I wouldn't put it out of out of question that you could get somebody like Kamara or Kareem Hunt and even get a first round pick out of it too, right? And with the running backs that are in this class, you know, you could potentially walk out with, with two solid running backs right there to add to, you know, whoever it is that you have, whatever wide receivers that you have. But if somebody's just going to come at you with, you know, I'll trade you, I'll swap you first round picks or whatever, or I'll give you a first and a second, I wouldn't even do it. You could offer me every single. Uh, pick that you have I'm gonna want a you know not like top tier one but I want like a a tier one running back along with a draft pick for that for a player like Barkley because that talent doesn't come along that often okay all right good deal I'm gonna be man enough to say I don't know what a taxi squad is I don't know if I should know I don't think my I hope my dynasty leagues don't have a taxi squad because that's probably why I'm losing in one of them so uh, can anybody explain to me what a taxi squad is and if it's important? You know, I, I look at a taxi squad as like your, uh, uh, as like your practice squad, you know, you, you draft players or you, you know, take flyers on players and, you know, pull players out of free agency or whatever the case may be. And you don't necessarily want or need them. Uh, on your active roster for, from week to week. And you can always make moves to, to bring players from your taxi squad. Um, but you, you're basically, you just own the rights to them. You have a guy that like, man, you know, I, I really like uh, what he has to offer and he's in a good system and this running back or this wide receiver is going to be a free agent after this year. And, you know, th- th- I have a good feeling that the team's not going to retain him and this guy's going to get his shot. So, you know, it, it's just another way of, keeping somebody out of the free agent pool and you just have the rights to them for, for when their time comes for what you're hoping that they're going to become the player that they become. Yeah. And a lot of times there's qualifiers, right? So if you put them on your taxi squad, you can't get him off of your taxi squad till the year is up, things like that. So it's very similar to like an IR uh, spot gotcha. um, that that's used. So like he's protected from everybody else. But if you promote them, you lose a roster spot. So And there's all these different qualifiers. The fun thing about Dynasty right now is there's so much customization for your league and how you build it that you can make it as in-depth or as easy as you want it to be. IR spots. You can go into Devi leagues where you're drafting and getting the rights to college players that are going to be eligible for the draft next year. There's so much available there. Interesting. Okay. And so with the IR spots, what, what can we expect? How many spots are typical? Does a typical dynasty league have for IR, taxi squad, and stuff like that? What, what is typical? And if somebody's listening, thinking about starting a dynasty league, what should they get it set up as? It all really depends on, on how you want to set it up. I, you know, 
IR spots, you could have one, two, three of them. I mean, if you have a group of guys that are starting up the league that's been in fantasy football, been in dynasty leagues for a long time, you know, you can shorten up your roster spots. You can shorten up your IR spots and make things a little bit more challenging. You know, but if if you're a league that's just starting up, you know, you you really want to give yourself uh, some roster spots. You know, look at the possibility of having, you know, at least two IR spots. You want to give yourself some opportunity to – to uh, kind of wrap your head around uh, the whole scheme of everything. And, you know, as the years goes on, uh, you know, in the off season, you know, maybe as a group, you guys want to challenge yourselves a little bit more. You know, you could talk about things and, and maybe change the format a little bit. So it just really depends on uh, where your skill level's at and, and how you want to set up the league. Now, I, I got a quick I got a quick question for you guys. Excuse me, John, just really quick. Uh, so I, our league of record with Armando and Christian is in it with a couple other people. Well, you know, 10 other people, nine other people. Uh, we have really short bench. We have, I think four or five bench spots. And when we created the league initially, we said, Hey, let's keep this league really active and keep the bench really short. And so there's a lot of trades, you know, on bye weeks, there's, there's a ton of trades. There's a lot of waiver moves because you can't stash players. So we went into the league thinking that, and, and going through that, would the same thinking be good for Dynasty? If you're thinking about starting a Dynasty league, have a shorter uh, keep have a shorter roster spots to maybe up the difficulty and the activity a little bit more, or is it just detrimental to a Dynasty league? It's not detrimental. It's it's perfectly fine. But the if you are looking for more activity, Dynasty already creates that in the trading of future draft sure. picks. So as soon as you get to week 10 and there is a team that's three and seven, hey man, you're not making the playoffs this year. You need to start building for the future. I have so-and-so on my bench. He's not going to start for me. I'll send you him and a second round pick for your stud wide receiver two, so on and so forth. And so that stuff creates um, almost organically, which is nice. And back to let's pair that with what he was just talking about steve was just talking about about ir spots at a dynasty league this year where i had odell beckham david johnson and robinson all three went out early yeah exactly and so i was kind of hindered because obviously i'm not going to drop those guys have a contending roster i'm not going to trade them away for future draft picks man i was hamstrung all year because i could not flip my roster through the waiver wire because I had three guys just sitting there taking up spots. Um, so I want at least two IR spots personally, but that that's just my opinion. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. And, and you know, Dale, what you were talking about a second ago, you know, as far as creating activity and John hit the nail on the head is, is that's what dynasty does because, you know, you're thinking about who you're starting week to week, just like you would in a redraft league. But while you're looking at that, you're also looking at, okay, well, shit, where's this guy going to be next year? Where's this guy going to be in that three-year window that John was talking about earlier in this episode, right? So the, it does. It, the activity just creates itself. Right. All right. I think my final question for you guys, uh, I think a lot of people with dynasty running Dynasty Leagues have this problem, and I, I guess we can end it here, is when you're running a Dynasty League and you're worst team you know the worst owner uh has gone you know three you know three win season a four win season for three or four years in a row they decide to quit that team sucks obviously because it's lost and maybe it's been mismanaged or whatever how do you retain 
owners and what do you do with turnover? Like, is there any incentive for besides a good draft pick? But even I mean, we all know, even a you know a first round draft pick isn't going to turn around a you know a two win or a three win team. Is there anything that you guys do to retain owners into your dynasty league? So number one, I put a a thing in that says one you cannot trade draft picks past a year. So let's say. All right, I'm thinking about quitting. I'm trading my 2019, 2020, 2021 first round draft pick for so and so. Oh, I didn't win. Screw it. I'm out. Also, if you do quit, I have it in my bylaws that says you will pay half of next season's fee if you yep. quit. Um, and me as a commish, I'm willing to front that money if they're like whatever. That's fine if they want to flake out. And then another note you want somebody that's going to come in with the attitude of, hey, screw it, I'm going to take this team from the floor up, I'm going to rebuild it, and you're looking for those leaders. Most of us are in multiple fantasy leagues, and I'm targeting players or different GMs or whatever you want to call them, owners of fantasy leagues in my redraft leagues that care and are active, and I'm constantly assimilating them into my dynasty leagues to make them what I want. See, yeah, and and you you can generally find an owner and pretty much – there's actually a good percentage of dynasty leagues out there that they're more of a extended uh, keeper league to where you're not keeping every single person. Like you, you may keep all your starters and maybe like half of your bench. And then there's a couple guys that are going into the free agency pool. So, you know, there, there are opportunities for people to come in and, and make some moves via trade and the draft and, you know, be able to snag a couple of people out of the free, out of free agency as the year goes on. So, you know, if somebody does back out, it does suck. It, it really does. And not only for the league, but for the person that's, you know, willing to come in and take over a team that's in that finish. But, you know, for all you know, you can come in and take over a team for somebody that really wasn't even paying attention half the time. And that's why their record was so shitty. And you're not in such a, as bad a shape as you think that you would be in coming in. Sure. Cool. Good answers, guys. All right, well, I think that kind of wraps up. This is just, a, like I said in the beginning, a kind of a dynasty preview. I hope that you guys um, enjoyed listening to us kind of give you a brief description of what to expect in a restart uh, dynasty league or redraft, whatever you want to call it, redraft and you know starting new. If you guys have any more questions, Stephen can be reached. Uh, <laughs> you, you can find Stephen and John somewhere. Look, they're both on Twitter. They're on Facebook. Uh, you can uh, email Eat Sleep Fantasy contact at eatsleepfantasy.com or just find us on Twitter and say, hey, John or Stephen, I need to have a question. You can ask me. Um, but if you really want to know the Dynasty stuff, these guys really know their stuff along with uh, our, our other writers as well. I know Mikey really does a lot of redraft, uh, a lot of Dynasty as well. So, guys, again, we appreciate you listening. I hope you enjoyed it. We're going to have a lot more Dynasty talk coming up soon. A lot of cool stuff, rankings, uh, more strategy, all kinds of stuff. We're going to try to do this starting off maybe once a week to start off with. Maybe more, maybe less. We'll see how it goes. But, again, thank you to John. You can follow him on Twitter at JL underscore Chapman. Man, that was from memory. And Steven, you can find him on Twitter at SPAC21. Yeah, that's at SPAC, so that's at S-S-P-A-C-2-1. Oh, geez. Okay. Um, again, guys, thank you so much for listening. For John and Steven, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. Eat some fantasy. Eat some fantasy.